Welcome to the B2B Strategy Podcast, your roundtable of B2B strategists guiding you in every decision you make in growing your business. Today, we'll be talking to Nick Bennett. Nick is most known for being the host of the Anonymous Marketer Podcast, and he is currently writing his book, B2B Influencer Marketing, How the Creator-First Economy is Transforming Marketing. In this episode, we're going deep into how to create a LinkedIn evangelism strategy, as well as an influencer marketing strategy for B2B. Last week, you wrote a post on LinkedIn. $2 million in pipeline in two years where 60% was closed. That's $1.2 million in revenue with a customer acquisition cost of zero or your only, only your salary. But you never talked about the company and still produced those numbers organically. Nick, would you be able to walk us through how you were able to achieve those kinds of results? Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't easy. It was it was more of just showing up every single day. Like for me, I've always been posting on LinkedIn. And so it's been a journey that I've been on for the last three and a half years. So Alice, which is where this company, where this happened, um, they, they were able to take advantage of that because I was probably about a year and a half into my journey. Uh, when I started working there. So I've already built a a decent foundation. I was still talking about things that were important to me. The beauty is that whenever I post, the amount of people that click my profile were able to see where I worked. And so I didn't have to talk about the company. It was more about just getting the eyeballs on it. Ultimately, more people would see where you work. They end up on the website. Maybe they attend an event of yours. They submit an inbound demo request. And it, it happens like that. And another piece of that is it was just, you know, dark social or whatever they call it. It's like they were talking in communities and things that popped up like that. People were like, you know, hey, you know, I, I love your content. What do you do for work? And like when I would tell them, they'd be like, oh, actually, hey, I do have a need because I use a competitor of yours. Or could you tell me how you differentiate from X, Y, Z? Um, so it was more of just putting yourself out there and, and showing up consistently every single day. Yeah, I think one big thing that people forget with LinkedIn content is that it's not just content. That's only one side of the equation. The profile is the the second part, which is kind of capturing all the demand that you're creating or the trust or whatever. Um, So everyone needs to optimize that. But do you think that if you did talk more about the company and you were a little bit more intentional about that, do you think you you would be able to get better results? I don't think so. I I mean, maybe it's who knows, but I feel like it becomes self-promotional to a certain degree. And like, that was always something that I didn't want to do. Like, I didn't want to be the person that was like, hey, go check out this event or this webinar, go do this or, you know, hey, we launched a new feature, go buy it because I said so. Like, I want you to make that decision on your own. I want you to just know, or at least let us into the conversation. At the end of the day, the product still has to to hold up on its own and you have to make that decision based on what you want. But I don't know. I I always see these people that are constantly talking about their companies and I'm just like, I have no interest in that. It doesn't teach me anything personally. Uh, There was no value add. So that's why I was like, if I talk about the company, is it going to really be a value add for my audience? Or can I just continue to talk about what I talk about and I will rely on the people that click my profile and hopefully come across the company based on that. Yeah, yeah, I think value is absolutely key. And I think when someone, too many, especially B2B companies are just straight selling and that's just a huge problem. I think that there is a way to give value and kind of funnel it down in a way where you can be intentional about it, but it seems like you have more of a relationship centric approach to it. I mean, you talk about relationships all the time. So people were more likely to figure out how your company could help them 
because you had that relationship with them. Hundred percent. It's the whole. Yeah. It's it's the whole idea of people first, go to market. Ultimately, yeah. you're putting your people first, both internally and working with people externally. But like, it's think about if your company has ten people that are like myself that are creating content and the amount of impressions and views that it would see, and think about how much you could save in paid ad spend or search because you create the people and empower them to talk about what is passionate to them. The company benefits because obviously you work there, but you're not going to work there forever. So it's kind of like a win-win. The company benefits while you're there. The person benefits because they're building their own brand. Ultimately, they're going to hopefully flourish and go off and do their own thing as well. Yeah. And I think that with as time goes on and people are more becoming more opposed to even looking at an ad, you know, this is ad-free and people are going to simply be more likely to look at whatever you're posting about on top of saving all that impression ad money. So how do you think that this kind of strategy could be repeated by B2B companies? Do you think there's like a specific step-by-step -step kind of evangelist strategy? I, I don't know. I feel like I should kind of build one, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, um, I feel like, I feel like there's, there needs to be like some type of like worksheet or something that um, is out there. Now we, we did develop like a people first go to market workbook that, I mean, it doesn't go to LinkedIn specifically. It goes into more of the overarching piece, but I think it's, I think it's similar. I think it's like, how do you, I don't want to say it's like employee advocacy, but it kind of is employee advocacy to a certain degree because you need someone that is an SME and like subject matter expert around like creating content on social media already. If they can teach additional people within the company, why that's important and showcase that and maybe you gamify it maybe you create a leaderboard, maybe you make it fun, maybe you create a Slack channel where people can jump in and brainstorm together or ask those questions that they feel is dumb or something, or they don't want people to be like, hey, like, can you like take a look at this content? I don't want people to like think about me in the wrong way. Like, It's employee advocacy at kind of like the center of it, but it rolls up to like that people first mindset, but you just have to have someone that's going to like man like this specific program to be able to have it be successful. Is there something that you have seen talking with others that there, there's an objection to implementing this at a, at a, at a company? Like what, what are preventing people, what are preventing B2B companies from taking more advantage they, of LinkedIn? They don't, they don't want to make their employees required to be able to do this. And I know there's some software out there that will allow you to basically like just click share or repost or whatever. But again, that adds no value to anyone's feed at the end of the day. I think the biggest thing is imposter syndrome. People don't want to sign up for something like this because they don't want to be judged by the content that they create. And I mean, that's just, that's part of the game. Unfortunately, it's like everyone has imposter syndrome. Like I have imposter syndrome and I've been doing this for years. And it's like, you have to realize that as soon as you hit post, there's always going to be someone that doesn't agree with the content that you put out there. And that's okay because your content isn't for everyone. Your content is for who you want it to be for and don't change who you are because of that. But a lot of people can't, wrap their head around like that specific piece. And I think that's why a lot of people don't want to buy into a program like this. But if you have someone that you could show as like a success story of how successful this has been and why someone might be more willing to take a look at it versus a company saying, Hey, we need to do this. Are there, there are certain companies that you think are doing this well, LinkedIn evangelism well. Yeah. I mean, Lavender, 
perfect yeah. example. I feel like Hockey Stack is another really good example. I feel like, I mean, Gong was really strong at it when a lot of people were there. Um, I feel like they've kind of shifted a little bit, but it's it's the people that are already at these companies that are kind of like creating content because you don't follow these brands for the brand and the content they put out. You follow these brands for the people that work there. Um, and so like when I think of like Lavender, like, yeah, cool company. Everyone knows who Lavender does. But I think of people like Jen and Todd and Will um, because they're the ones that ultimately are creating content. And same for Hockey Stack. I mean, they've got... And I feel like both of them just released like a media kind of like their own media channel as well. And it's like, it's super interesting to see, like, I feel like you have the base level evangelism, which is like, you know, LinkedIn content, stuff like that. Then you take it to like an owned media perspective. And I feel like that increases like that increases a huge amount. And yeah, like Hockey Stack and Lavender own these, but it's still the people that are creating the content that work there. Is, the, is there a big misconception that people have when implementing that kind of strategy, you know, not just LinkedIn, but also the only media and just the whole aspect of building relationships and building the trust? I think that people just, you know, they, they, they misguide themselves on like, what do they actually want to get from this? Like executives will be like, well, like, hey, go post on LinkedIn because you're going to drive more leads. Like that shouldn't be why you're posting on LinkedIn, you should be posting on LinkedIn to build relationships because it's a social media network at the end of the day. It's not one-sided. And that mindset is very transactional. When you think about it on the flip side, and like, again, going back to people first, it's like very relationship-driven. And I feel like LinkedIn and any other social media platform, it's all about the relationships that you build on these platforms through the content that you create. And that should be the biggest thing. But executives have the bottom mind like in their in their mind of like, all right, well, we just have to hit revenue numbers or whatever. Like, is this going to, is posting on LinkedIn going to impact revenue numbers? But if I can go show, hey, I drove $2 million and 60% of that close, I would love for any executive to show me like, hey, that wasn't worth the investment because I have not met one yet. Yeah, all about showing the, the results from it. Um, what you said about LinkedIn and all social media just needing to build relationships. I think it matters even more for LinkedIn um, simply because it's a, the algorithm is based on your network. Whereas TikTok, Instagram, that's all interest based. So for, for Instagram and TikTok, I mean, relationships are important, but it's a lot easier to simply put out content um, because it gets shown to people that are simply interested in this whatever topic you're posting about. Whereas with LinkedIn, it doesn't show that to people. It shows it based off of people in your network interacting with your content. Um, And so that you can see the the people that are making the best out of LinkedIn have relationships through LinkedIn. So I 100% agree about that. Um, You're currently writing a book called B2B Influencer Marketing, How the Creator First Economy is Transforming Marketing. If companies don't have the subject matter experts or the capacity to have evangelists from their own company can b2b how can b2b companies use influencer marketing in a similar approach yeah i mean i i think it's it's something where there was there was a recent survey that said 88 percent of companies b2b companies in 2023 want to test influencer marketing so it's top of mind for a lot of companies in b2b the issue is many don't know how to structure how to find people to work with 
how to like they, they when they think of influence and marketing, they they think of B two C, and B two C has figured this out. In B two B, it's not like you can just go sign up for a platform and find people that you want to work with because that doesn't really exist. People that I know have tried to build it, but there was really no way to monetize it to a certain degree, and it was very hard. Now, I think that you have to figure out what are the outcomes that you actually want to achieve by using influencer marketing. And it can't be one-sided. It can't be like, all right, hey, go do the sponsored post on LinkedIn. Cool. All right. If I go do a sponsored post on LinkedIn, I do the post, what happens? You're going to measure your entire strategy or if this works or not off of one post. I think it's the wrong mindset. I think that you have to figure out how to tie it into your larger strategy and that you have to try to figure out how... Working with a creator or influencer is one part of the strategy. It's, you know, how do you develop additional media assets and content out of that? How do you work around an email marketing strategy or direct mail strategy or all these other pieces around, you know, paid, if you're doing paid, it can't just be like, all right, we're going to go do this post. Like you have to think of, say, you know, most companies have like a theme or, uh, you know, what are my big rocks for the, the, the quarter or the half year or whatever it is, tie what you want to work with an influencer on back to those, you know, deliverables or business outcomes that you want, because you already have all your other functions within marketing, marching towards that, this just plugs into that. And it shouldn't be one sided being the brand telling the creator or influencer what to do. It should be like, Hey, this is what we're trying to get across to the market. We'd love to work with you. What can we do to actually achieve this? And is maybe a sponsored post is out of it, but maybe it's a short 60 second clip series and you do like five clips and it talks about different types of pieces around the category. Now that's way more valuable than just sending out, you know, a LinkedIn post that took me like two minutes to write. And that's how you measure it. I think that's another piece of it too. It's like, how do you measure it? I mean, yeah, you've got, you know, UTM links, all those things, but it has to be a bigger piece of tying it into the longer strategy. I think measuring content is probably the most difficult thing. Um, I've I've been talking to so many people that, you know, where's the growth in impressions or likes or whatever or traffic? LinkedIn traffic coming LinkedIn coming from traffic is just naturally going to be like twenty times less than whatever blog post that you create. But they're going to be mm-hmm. so much more likely to convert. And, and trust your brand because it's very high quality, but there's no way to measure trust. And I think that's one problem that you see on LinkedIn. Um, and I think it, it's a problem, but it also creates the opportunity for those that can just simply trust the process because it kind of creates that blue ocean opportunity. There's so few people creating content and the ones that do, you know, you can ask them, they, they, they show results. So it, it does, it does work. What, what qualifies an influencer that should be reached out to? For, for a B2B company? I mean, so I actually, I don't even like the word influencer, if I'm being honest with you. Like, <laughs> I, I'd much rather prefer like creator because like no one should self-dub themselves an influencer, yeah. at least in B2B. Um, I mean, if the audience that you write to and work with wants to say that you're an influencer, cool. But like at the end of the day, you're a creator. And like, I've talked about this before, but like everyone can be a creator, but not all creators have influence. And I think there is amount of people who have that trust, like you mentioned, and that are authentic in what they create, that maybe, you know, again, maybe they're not referring to themselves as an influencer, but they have influence in the category or like topic that they talk about. So I think, I mean, I think anyone, to be honest with you, and I feel like I wrote a post the other day that was like, 
the people that have like 2000 to 5000 followers, at least on LinkedIn, are some of like the have some of the strongest trust because they're in it in creating content because they're still passionate about it. Like they enjoy it. Like it's, they're just not getting as many eyeballs on it, but like they probably have higher engagement rates than some of these people with, you know, 50, 60, hundred thousand followers easily because those people a lot of times aren't even engaging in the comment section with people that are commenting on their stuff. As someone with 4,000 followers, I can agree that, (laughs) <laughs> building relationships is so much easier because I don't have that many people, you know, talking to me and commenting or whatever. So it's very easy to build those deeper relationships um, that often end up in some kind of opportunity, either as a client collaboration or whatever. So yeah, I, I mean, look, I mean, I feel like I feel like I know you like so well. And I mean, we've attended an event together. We've talked on LinkedIn a bunch. We're doing this now. And like, again, I mean, you just reached out. I mean, we were engaging on, on LinkedIn a bit, but like we weren't even connected at the time, didn't even notice. And it's like we started like DMing each other. And I feel like now, like I feel like I, I like know you to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's so many people like that. Like, I'm sure that like I would love to build relationships with. I just I mean, the way the algorithm works, like you just don't come across a lot of their stuff. And like, I try not to scroll as much um, as I used to. And like, I think that's part of the thing too. It's like, you know, I focus on like the content I create, replying to those people. And I have like certain people that like I'll check out on a daily basis. But like outside of that, I try not to do a ton of scrolling. Yeah. You see on, on LinkedIn, tons of commenting strategies. Yeah. Uh, it's like 20 plus comments a day. And it's, it it just it, it takes the fun out of creation and <laughs> exactly. also it's it, it doesn't make tons of sense i mean I, it's building relationships but relationships are built on authenticity and that's just not you know insightful posts great posts that doesn't yep. doesn't really cut it so <laughs> there's there's a post of yours that i saved from about a month ago i'm going to read it and i want to hear your deeper take on the, on the claim that you made the future of influencer marketing is going to have hockey stick like growth in the next year or two. Uh, Two stats to back that up. ROI for influencer marketing is $6.50 for each $1, with the top 13% earning $20 or more. 53% of B2B marketers either do not have a strategy or it's not documented. If companies are already seeing a six times ROI and about half of them don't have a plan, imagine what the return will be when they do. So how how do they create that plan? Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's going back to like, what are the outcomes that you want to achieve? Like, I mean, this can't be I mean, is it are you looking to drive awareness? Are you looking to drive top of funnel? Are you looking to drive engagement with like top accounts? Like, I think it's understanding what that strategy looks like. And again, going back to that stat that I talked about earlier, like 88% of B2B companies in 2023 want to test influencer marketing, which I think plays into these stats. Because if you think about it, like, if 88%, so that means 12% of companies don't care, cool. But 88% of B2B, I don't, and I don't know how many B2B companies are out there. I don't know if this was just US or like global or whatever it is, but it has to be a huge number. And let's just take a random number. Let's just say it's 500,000 companies, right? So 88% of 500,000 companies is a pretty sizable number. Um, and it's like, they have to figure out what does that plan look like. And so they've actually started to turn to me in a lot of cases. I'm helping a few clients right now and like figuring out what does that strategy look like? Because in their past, it's always been sponsored content, but they don't do anything with it. 
they don't invite people onto their podcast to create content with and for, they don't collaborate with them. They don't tie it back to their, their big rocks or like what their themes are. And it's like, if you just do a lot of these smaller things, even having them speak at your events, both virtually and maybe in person, um, one, you're going to drive a, a way more people to the event because of their trust that they have and their reach that they have. But it's going to be like, cool, you're tapping into your ICP. And I don't want to say like borrowing trust and authority, but you kind of are because you, it's kind of like when you're breaking into a new segment or vertical. It's like you are tapping into someone that already is established in that vertical or segment. And you're basically working with them to reach their audience because you don't have one yet. Ultimately, that's going to drive more business for you, but you have to figure out how to capture them and then accelerate that once you've actually brought them into the pipeline. I think this is very similar to uh, what Logan Lyles was talking about on uh, on his own podcast, on, on this podcast in the, uh, in the past, about nearbound marketing and how you can create um, uh, inbound is a magnet, but nearbound is a much, much stronger magnet because you are creating with other with other people that are already trusted in your ecosystem and you create a much stronger magnet and it works much, much more effectively and efficiently. I'm a, I'm a big believer of nearbound. I can tell you that. I know I know the team well over there. And it's like I've, going back to like this people first go to market. It's like we we just released version two of like uh, this image of like what we think like a go to for, go to market like people first model looks like. And the overarching theme amongst everything is actually partner. It should be an ecosystem. Like you can't go at this alone. You have to basically have an ecosystem, whatever that means to you, that encompasses the entire thing. I hope this episode helped you understand how you can get more out of LinkedIn for not just yourself, but with others from your team or company. Definitely give Nick a follow on LinkedIn so you can stay updated about his book and for awesome B2B marketing content. I'll leave links in the episode description. If you're a B2B brand wanting to collaborate with a trusted figure in your ecosystem, definitely connect with Nick. Hope to see you all next episode.